It's season nine and we're feeling fine because it is the holiday time. Welcome to the Silver Bells season. In this season, we will be exploring not only interviews with the past Silver Bells, but also talking about movies, about Christmas, and we will also be documenting our trip to Richmond to see the Silver Bells. So stick with us. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. In 1985, Tyler was meeting Justin at their favorite arcade, Longshot. Just as Justin was about to confess his love for Tyler, the world changed. Blending elements of 1980s pop culture and LGBTQIA fiction, we journey through this incredible experience that brings them closer together as they fight against a world trying to keep them apart. Listen to Longshot on Anchor FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, now we're going to be talking with Matt and Ryan and myself about 1993's A Home of Our Own. Now, Which is not a Christmas movie. I will say it is Christmas adjacent. Um, there is snow on the ground for most of the movie, and there is an extended period of several scenes that happened during Christmas. There's one scene. Not true, there's several. There's there's two scenes. There's one scene at the house and then she goes to the the church and that is it. That is the only Christmas scenes. Name the Christmas scenes in Batman Returns. In Batman Returns? Well, it all took place during Christmas. A lot of this does too. No, only only one scene, man. All right, so this is not a film that is like gather around he television and watch a Christmas film. If you're Christmas filmed out and you want a young Kathy Bates, uh, young Edward Furlong, this is after her win too. Yeah, um, film. This film brings me such um, anger, joy. Uh, it makes me cry. It is about a single mother with her like five kids um, who have just had uh, the husband left and they've they've had a lot of bad luck and she's always no, she's a widow isn't she didn't he die I think he left he just left yeah yeah because she always curses his name whenever he comes up that yeah um, so she is dealing no with no the... he died she's a widow okay well yeah He's, he's gone. You find that out later on in the film, about three quarters of the way through when she's having the conversation, right before she has the conversation with the next, not the next door neighbor, the guy that owns the property, the Korean guy. Mr. Moon. Mr. Moon. Um, who's great, by the way. Mm -hmm. Really, her scenes with him are really, really good. Um, I didn't really particularly care for the film. Um, I thought it was, you know manipulative but in an effective way like I, I felt myself being manipulated during it um i will say i absolutely teared up at the end and that was the point like they're you know bilging up to this this movie does not i don't finish this movie if kathy bates isn't in it because edward furlong i'm sorry but he's just not a great actor he's just not good mm. some of the choices he made i was like what's going on what are you doing it just kind of took me out of the re the reality of the situation um, but I also thought back to when we were growing up because like her kid falls on a nail yeah, and does not have him taken away from her. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It is a different time period completely. Oh, it was an accident. It was an accident. Also, she wasn't even there. 
She wasn't there. Yeah, no, totally. She was neglecting her children. Well, I mean... But also going to work and making money so that she could support her children. No, I get all that, but I'm just saying. So, for those thousand-foot view, for those who have no familiarity with this film, which might be many of you... um, Oh, yeah, this did horribly, yeah. (laughs) Ryan, (laughs) sticking the nails into the backs of each and every one of these children. (laughs) There will be blood on this podcast. Um... This woman, so they, they're living in the city. It's in a terrible apartment. She gets sexually harassed at her job. She gets fired because she pushes the man over. Because he feels her up? Yeah. Yeah. So then she decides they're leaving the city, and they're going to find a home of their own, and she'll just know when they find it, and they drive forever until the car literally is about dead. And she sees this shack um, on a piece of land. It's not finished being built, and she just knows this is it. And the kids all walk in and look at it, and then she knocks on the Asian gentleman who owns the property. He owns a greenhouse, um, and this is like across the road from him. And she asks, you know, does he know who owns it? Long story short... He owns it. And she says, I want to buy it. And he says, do you have any money? And she says, no. He's like, well, how are you going to buy it? And her famous phrase that she always says is something like, well, I've learned that there's more than the greenback dollar bill to getting things done in this great country of ours or something like that. Anyway, so she barters basically her and her children's... Her children away. Uh, ...help... Like, cleaning his house, doing whatever. Laundry, whatnot, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he agrees, and they move into this shack that then they put a tarp over the roof. They have an outhouse. I'm like, what did they do, do till they got the outhouse? Who knows? In the most disturbing scene, the youngest boy has to use the bathroom. He opens the door, and Kathy Bates is on the toilet. She goes, occupied. And then he's like, ugh, ugh, and she's like, can you hold it? And he's like, I don't know. It's cold out here. So then she opens the door and invites him in. And now he's sitting next to his mother on the outhouse. She's reading a magazine. He's mortified. This sets up his hatred for the outhouse that comes to play later. That's how they did it in Rome. Oh my God, though. The mortification. He, like, I can't imagine. But her reaction to it was perfect. She, she was like, I've... I've seen you since, you know... Since I used to wipe that butt. I, yeah, I used to wipe that butt. It's like, well, I didn't wipe yours. <laughs> um, so, uh, slowly they... Uh, th- that little boy gets a job at a junkyard, bartering the same way his mother did, and he comes home with things uh, every day from work um, that get added to the house. But it's not really a house. Uh, the living is hard. But she... it is a home. Yeah, a home of our own. Yeah. The living is hard. Uh, the struggle is real with this family. It seems like they can't win for losing. Um, yeah, I don't know. There, there's a lot of uh, I found to be like uh, situational things that would you would find in a sitcom and not necessarily in real life. Uh, the, all of the setups and everything. I, yeah, again, it's 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 something after reading up on the guy that wrote this and he said he based it on his life or whatever. It's none of it's really anywhere remotely real um but that's not to say that it doesn't uh you know touch on things that are human um but the situation sometimes felt a little a little pushed a little a little tried 
um, for me. Um, but I also wanted to say that for some people, snow does not equate to Christmas because there's lots of places that it does not snow during Christmas. I don't know, global warming. <laughs> Nobody sees snow anymore except for the winter, and winter is equated with Christmas, so it's a Christmas film. <laughs> Matt, did you watch this? I've watched the entire thing a while back. I just saw a few clips here recently while Stephen was watching. I have seen, I have known families to live like this. Yeah. And I will say there is a sort of different social behavior in, in things when... It's a fortitude, isn't it? <clears throat> Maybe. Like a social fortitude to be able to just pick up and do... Just go forward, putting one foot in front of the other, and just go, 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 and not ever have the fear that you're going to fail because you can't. You don't have the option, right? right? Well, it reminds me of like uh, I did a musical years ago called Brother Russia, and the the writer said one of the reasons he wanted to write was he lived in this area in New York. He said where there's a lot of Russian people in the neighborhood and all these Russian old women who would go to the store, their ba backs bent over and they're lugging these bags of groceries and just persistent as a train and nothing would stop them from doing it. And it's, it's that kind of, uh, hard living and hard, like if I don't do this, who will? Well, uh, did you have to more to say to that? I was going to say that, I think sometimes living in that sort of poverty uh, creates a vacuum because you're not really with other situations and you're either harboring and hiding that you're as poor as you are that causes kind of an insular uh, living arrangement where maybe situations are a little bit obtuse and strange because uh, I don't want to use the word incest because it's not in incestual like as far as blood and stuff but it becomes kind of like its own little Lord of the Flies because the children see what's happening and don't want to necessarily be do what they're doing and so there's like this weird like rebellion there that I think happens. Maybe it happens to all of us no matter what what rung of society we're raised in um do you think that okay so this is one of the things that came to mind and maybe it is maybe it's something that happened all of the time um but i racked my brain and for the life of me i don't know of any stories other than great migrations of people going out west for instance in this country uh other countries have the same kind of thing going out in, in masses of people um, this was what the 50s or 60s 50s sure. yeah yeah um, of her driving to Idaho seeing a house talking to the guy like it's just all very like would this actually happen would would what her her panache and her you know how she is with people and her her talking and almost con artist way I think it would because it's so funny that she doesn't want to take charity notoriously People are giving her charity by allowing her. They see her situation. She is a single mother with all these children. How are they going to say no? Yeah. I mean, it is manipulation on her part, but it's manipulation for survival. Absolutely. And yeah. she's convinced herself that it's just her can-do attitude and whatever, but it, she is using people and, you know, yeah. but is she there, has to. Is there a church community? 
There is, yes. but she and she doesn't really want to. They get their clothes from the church and things like that, but she doesn't want to go to church. She doesn't want to take free things from the church until her children are so disappointed on Christmas morning because this is a Christmas film. Uh, she has said to them a few days ago in a scene prior, three scenes at least, um, where she was talking it, about Christmas and about, I think this Christmas we're just going to get things for the house. Um, and I, the kids are talking amongst themselves later in another scene, um, where they're like, do you think that's really going to happen? And oh, she's just saying that. And then Christmas morning, everyone's opening like a hammer, nails, and Edward Furlong has one of two outbursts in this film that he's very much the, a young John Boy-esque kind of figure in the family. I know you don't care for him. I thought those two scenes where he finally voiced what all the children were thinking were effective because when she made, said, go get your father's belt, and it's Christmas morning. This, uh, hard facts here. This is not, this will make you think, appreciate all you have because they have nothing except abuse. Um, and the, she, he's about to get his ass beat when Mr. Moon comes to the door on Christmas morning with plans for the house that she also discards, doesn't want. Um, there's a lot of hard truths in this, but I knew people like this as well, uh, very much growing up. Um, and they would be looked at as charity cases. People would talk about them like, oh, you know, the blah, blah, blah family. Ooh. You know, uh, the dad died and she's just scraping by and she works at the grocery store. And uh, and they, they had like five kids and they're all wearing horrible clothes. The scene that really made me feel bad for Edward Furlong was when he's in gym and his shirt, his white shirt is a little pink because it was washed by one of the other children with red in it. Oh, so it yeah, got that pink. happened to me as a kid. And it was his one white shirt. Yeah. I mean, just... Uh, I think the thing is, is like I feel like everybody around me when I was growing up kind of was on you know, that poor aspect of things. So all of us kind of wanted for for more. You know, eventually it got better, but like I remember, you know, being young and, and you know, you know what I'm talking about, like feeling like the clothes you did you you were wearing weren't you know in style and you're always feeling like you were kind of a little behind when it came to everything well you um, guys have school. been to my dad's auction everything that was sold at the auction was not an antique price tag it was cheap so the the clientele that came there were people who were looking for cheap this and cheap that. Probably got their Christmas gifts. And there. then a lot of the clothes that came through and things that look like it, that it would be fit for us was purchased for. I mean, things went sometimes for a quarter at that auction. Now this was back in the seventies and eighties, but yeah, I mean, gas was what twenty eight cents. Yeah, at that time, yeah. Um. <laughs> anyway, but so I was. Probably not that poor, but I definitely know that I can relate to families that seemed like they were that poor. Yeah. Well, near the end of the film, uh, <clears throat> they're getting indoor plumbing installed, and that the youngest boy, who's a piece of work, nail in the back, and I mean, and I saw it coming the entire time. Is he's going to burn this down, and it's going to burn the freaking house? He down. burns the the uh, 
outhouse down, which I'm thinking that's probably a chemical hazard, first of all. Oh, my God. But, you know what I mean, just just not chemical toilet, but, like, just feces or whatever, and light it on fire sounds like a good idea. Um, But then the, of course, pieces of the burning thing go blow in the wind and land on the, like, tarp of the roof catches the whole house on fire. Well, and they had just insulated the entire place with newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it's going to catch fire. Um, so then uh, yeah. the house is burned to the ground. And, you know, Edward Furlong's character says something, or the, I'm sorry, the narrator says something like, you don't know how little you have till you really have nothing. Something like that. And they had nothing. They mm-hmm. had no belongings. They yep. had no house. Yep. And I... I thought for sure that she, after coming home and figuring out what happened, that she would be furious at that youngest son, but instead she lets him off the hook for it and says it was an accident, it was nobody's fault. Well, they weren't planning on burning down the urinal, so the, out, the outhouse, so it, it kind of was his fault, but she saw, if I don't let him off the hook for this, he will be destroyed the rest of his life. Because the whole thing has been about this home of their own. And this is the second outburst of Edward Furlong, where she finds the cash jar, which there can't be that much money in it. And she's so excited, and she goes, ah, we we can start again. Everything's going to be buttoned up and beautiful, which is her phrase. And he freaks the F out and is like, buttoned up and beautiful? And you say all these things, and... We know it's not true, but we smile and act like it is. And there's so many times in this film that little cute girl with the little bob haircut, she has truth on her face. Even though she's smiling, she knows different the whole film. She's a great little actress. But just about then the neighbors show up. Several trucks, building materials. They start to, and I lose it every time. And she has the nerve to say, I don't take... And Mr. Moon beats her to it and says, I know you don't take charity. I'll bill you. Well, I can't afford it. Well, we'll figure it out, you know. Um, And thank God Mr. Moon was never like, we'll figure it out. (laughs) Well, I always thought that it was going to go that way. Uh, Speaking of the actor, uh, he's a Korean actor. Uh, He was in the original Pacific Overtures. Oh, cool. On Broadway. uh, with And he started a theater company with Mako. uh, Mm. The guy from uh, Conan the Barbarian. Yep. Yeah, um, which it was just, also in Pacific Ocean. Yeah, which yeah they were He's in a it together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, they started a, a theater company and they produced Pippin and Sweeney Todd. Um, so he was like a theater guy. He moved from Korea in the fifties, uh, right before the the Korean War. I think broke I, out. I thought he was excellent in the film. I loved his affection oh. for the the children yeah. and the, her. He was a lot more safe with her. Because he didn't want to threaten her or whatever. He gave her a lot of space, but yeah. he was so loving to those kids. Um, and his own son died in the war. The His wife moved on. So, like, this house was supposed to be for a family anyway. Just not Which a is where the blueprints came from. Yeah. And he she finds out later and apologizes. Yeah. So, 
they got a home of their own, and that's kind of how the film ends. I know, I know, it's not a Christmas film. <laughs> I will say it's Christmas adjacent. An hour and 15 minutes passes, an hour and 20 minutes, before it even gets to even mentioning Christmas. Well, there's always anticipation and build-up to Christmas. <laughs> doesn't mean Christmas doesn't happen. And this is Idaho, which is, like, like strange. Like, it's such a, like, uh, have you been to Idaho? No. Okay, so I've been to Idaho, and it's like such a you can go expanses without seeing anything, like another house. You know what I mean? Like just weird that she was driving. Were they driving from Chicago? Was it Chicago or was it New York? Wasn't it L.A.? Was it L.A.? Yeah, they were driving from L.A. Yeah. Okay, so they drove from L.A. east and stopped in Idaho. Yeah. That freaking car, man. I'm so surprised it got through. I can't tell you, um, I am not rich, we are not rich, but we're more comfortable than we were when we were younger. I've had all those clunker cars that you don't, you have that anxiety every time you get in them, will they make it this next trip? And that car was worse than any of my best clunkers, you know, or worse clunkers. And just that anxiety, remembering, thinking that, and all the mental strain and like, how am I going to afford this if there's a medical thing i'm still there on so many aspects especially the medical and the food and everything else i mean it but when you have five children i can't even imagine the stress on you mm-hmm. i mean she did treat edward furlong almost like a she called him the man of the house the pressure on him as a teenager to be so responsible for everything i mean it's an interesting dynamic it's a it's a sad, hard story, but it does come with good reward at the end. Well, I also think of this as, like, this would have been my when my mom was a kid, right, if, when this was happening. Yeah. And, like, even going to my great-grandmother's farm, you know, and seeing the things that my mother had to do when she was growing up, like, you know, that's just the way life was at the time, right? That was just the way things were. It wasn't like you, you know there weren't the opportunities that a lot of people have. But then at the same time, there's this romanticized version in my head of, I wish I could drive to Idaho and talk this guy who has a, a a shack across the street that he owns into letting me to fix it up. And I'll like be his maid. You know what I mean? I know there's like this weird simplistic simplicity to it all. Even though you're poor, you're still, you're still prideful of, of, you know, what you can have, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, any final thoughts on the film, Matthew? You know, I, I just hear you guys talking about this. Uh, I think that, that, yes, you guys, not that you were, but I think anyone can talk about details of was it all based in reality? Was it all kind of, you know, pumped up? Um, Did producers have anything to do with that? Yeah, but there is something in this story for whatever it is, it just feels familiar yeah. with the struggle of, you know what I mean? And I think whether or not some of it happened or it didn't happen, or maybe some parts are supposed to be funny, and you're like, is that going to be funny? Because it seems kind of funny. Um, I think that there's a familiar... Uh, texture. Texture of all, of our, let's say, our three families where sometimes all three of us could tell a story that seemed almost unbelievable of like, are you are you serious? 
left. Right. You really did pee yourself in front of Burton's and then everyone took you to get ice cream? <laughs> or whatever. For me, my in was, was Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates is such a good actress that she brings reality to everything she does that even though the situations to me sometimes seemed forced, she sold it and she reminded me of my mother. Not all the time, but every once in a while, things that she did, I was like, yep, that's what a mom does. Do you know the what I mean? Impossible. She yeah. does the impossible. Yeah, exactly. And she's not perfect and sometimes makes poor decisions. Absolutely. Because she's human. Mm-hmm. Um and I think it's a I think it's a great performance of, by her. I really do. Was she born into royalty, uh, theater royalty by her parents at all? Were her parents both actors? I have no idea. I don't think so. Um, I mean, was was uh, Norman her brother? Norman Bates. <laughs> <laughs> well, you saying that just makes me want to look her up. She's from Tennessee. She studied the Southern Methodist University. Where is that? Tennessee? Probably. Um... But, I don't know. I have no idea. You know? No, no clue. But when you said that, there's a famous actress in D.C. Uh, I forget her name. Ah! <laughs> um, <laughs> I, just like Kathy Bates, sometimes I'm not sure if it's a good film. I mean, and if, as an example of Kathy Bates, I'm not always sure if it's a good film because she makes every film better. Absolutely, yes. Do you know yes. What I mean? Yes. And uh, I remember seeing this actress, um, Holly Twyford from D.C. It took me a second to get it. Christmas time, Holly, Holly Twyford. Um, I saw a reading one time that Holly Twyford was in, and we were like having a drink at the bar, and she sort of nonchalantly said, what did you think of the reading? And I was like, I don't know, Holly. All I could do was watch you, and it seemed like a freaking terrific show. Because Holly could make any bad writing work. Right. So maybe there is an element to that. Um, You know what? I have an idea. How about the three of us read the script of this movie to our audience? Oh, I'm sure they'd love that. Podcast. I'll be Kathy. Uh, And then we'll see... If I'll the, be uh, Suntiko, uh, the uh, uh, Mr. Moon. Inappropriate. And, no, we will see if the, if the, if the journey still lands. I will be Edward, Edward Furlong. Buttoned yeah. <laughs> up and beautiful. All right. This has been a home of our own. Bye. Bye. Happy holidays. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you want to learn more about us, please visit www.connorsmithmusicals.com. That's Connor with an E-R. Please follow us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Patreon under Connor and Smith. Again, Connor and Smith with an E-R. Please rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. It helps us out so much. Share it where you share things. Post it where you post things. We are so appreciative to all of you for following us on this journey. And happy holidays to you all.